What is up, Brad fans? How you doing? How you living? We're going to start off the show with two quotes. The first, he who fights with monsters might take care lest he thereby become a monster. And if you gaze for long into an abyss, the abyss gazes also into you. Probably recognize that one from Friedrich Nietzsche. And here's one from a source you probably weren't expecting to hear on this show. Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. A quote from none other than Jesus. And I know what you're thinking. That's two episodes in a row with some historic quotes. Like, who is this highfalutin, hoity-toity fancy boy with all the philosophy and Bible quotes? Well, let me just tell you, I've always been that fancy boy. My immaturity just tends to hide it pretty well. But I bring up these quotes because this episode and my conversation with my guest Calvin Smith brought up many contradictions that I've struggled with a lot during the course of this podcast, talking about science communication and delving into a little bit of debunking and pushback at different narratives about science or the science denialism, let's say. Also in my career as a science communicator and a journalist, these are questions that this field struggles with all the time. So Calvin is a podcaster and a self-proclaimed atheist activist. He's the social media manager for the Secular Alliance of Michigan, an atheist activism group. He has a fairly large TikTok following, 24,000, and he writes and performs his own music. So he's a busy guy, and you can check the show notes for links. And he reached out to be on the show, and I was interested in having him on because he has a really fascinating story about his journey out of the rabbit hole. By his own admission, he believed in everything from Bigfoot to Flat Earth to lizard people running the government. And you'll hear the story as to how he got out of the rabbit hole. But needless to say, he now no longer believes in these things and takes a very skeptical view of everything. And he even started a podcast, Unquestionable, with Calvin Smith, that will be wrapping up rather soon. But it offered people of all beliefs a chance to come on and try to convince him of, of said belief, whether it was religious or I talk to aliens. And we also discussed his work as a volunteer and member of the Secular Alliance of Michigan atheist activist group. And throughout this conversation, as you'll hear, as I said, I'm struck by the amount of conundrums, contradictions that arise when we're talking about belief and debate and debunking. For example, the science communication community will always bemoan the fact that People don't trust the sources that we bring to the table. We'll say, look it, here's the evidence, here's the numbers, here's the data that shows why vaccines are useful, vaccines save lives, vaccines are safe. And yet, when someone comes with some other set of literature, some other set of experts, we dismiss those and say, well, those aren't credible, without ever really dealing with how do we judge credibility of experts? How do we explain that? How do you get that point across? So in a way, we are becoming the monster we're trying to fight. And to be quite clear, I mean, 
there is garbage sources and there's good sources. That is a fact, right? But how do we communicate this? How do we deal with this? Another one is the idea of open conversations. We think that a, a, a good society has open conversations about all topics, no matter how outlandish, no matter how crazy. Yet we struggle with the idea of platforming dangerous ideas and presenting them to millions of people through social media, through huge podcasts, without the proper moderation, without the proper pushback, without the proper context. There's a danger that, yes, these ideas that are fringe, that are demonstrably untrue, get given the same credibility and weight as years and decades and centuries of scientific knowledge and critical, you know, evaluation of data. So, how, so, so what's the answer there? Some say debate these people. Others say ignore them. How can you promote open, honest conversation, but then not be willing to platform somebody with horrendous ideas? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. And then there's the conundrum with uh, an atheist group. On the one hand, I see the need to push back against the encroachment of religion into state. I also see the value of offering people who are not religious, who have chosen a different way, uh, the same benefits of a community group and the ability to do charity work and improve the lives of those around them and to benefit themselves from that. Uh, I see that. I see the need for that and I see the value in that. But there's also an aspect of doing the same thing and trying to convert people to your side. It inherently almost can't be a neutral thing. You know, if you believe in something, even if that belief is non-belief, you're inclined to spread that belief because you believe that it's better to live or think that way. But then again, will you end up perishing by the sword because you have now taken up the sword? I don't know what the right answers are. And so this was a really interesting conversation for me. And as you'll hear, that these I'm, I'm confronted with these things in real time, and I don't have a good answer for them. And like I said, these are things that I have thought about. But when you talk about these sorts of things, especially with someone that you tend to agree with in terms of the values of, you know, separation of church and state and, you know, logical thinking, critical thinking and stuff, you start to see the flaws in your own approach. And I think that that's an important thing that we constantly are taking a look at our own approach, our own reasoning, our own methods of communication. And that is tedious. It's, it's, it feels like you're never actually getting anywhere. And when some of these questions that we're dealing with, the, you know, our, our, big questions that have impacts on the lives of, of us, our children, our communities. I'm talking about, you know, vaccines, climate change, these kind of things. These are big questions. It feels like there's no time to waste, that we have to get this right, and that everybody's passionate because those are the stakes. 
this also reminded me of some of the things that came up in the last episode dealing with interpretation of psychedelics, where we have to sort of trust our fellow humans to come up with the appropriate solutions and answers to some of these questions. We have to trust uh, other people that they can see the point that you're trying to make. And that's, that's difficult. That's scary. The, 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 the tendency may be to try and shut down bad ideas by just shutting them down rather than confronting them. And in a way, I still struggle with that. I, I, I don't know how much we should be platforming, how much we should be debating. I think if you are going to debate some of these things, there has to be very well-established formats and rules. And some might say, well, then you're just advantaging your side. I don't think so, but I, I don't know what the, what the answers are. So I really appreciate Calvin coming on and talking about his, his journey out of the rabbit hole. For one thing, I think that that's, for a lot of people, maybe embarrassing. Um, so I, I appreciate that he's willing to come on and talk to, to people about this. And I appreciate his passion in wanting to help other people get out of that, help other people maybe see the the other side that yes you do need to have critical thought and you do need to you know sort of question things um and i understand the need for an atheist group especially in the context of the u.s like i said i think there's these inherent contradictions there that seem weird and i'm not really sure how to deal with that but when you see some of the rhetoric and steps being taken in the U.S. where there is a gradual breaking down of that church and state. I don't think that that is a healthy thing for a, for a democracy, and I appreciate what his group is trying to do in terms of just defending that barrier. So, as always, please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. That really helps us out. That helps out the visibility. Share this with your friends. You can follow us on any platform where you get podcasts. You can visit our website, tobradforyou.wordpress.com, and there's links to follow on all the big players, all the big podcast players. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at tobradforyou. Again, share us, follow, comment, like, all of that stuff increases our visibility. Send us an email, at tobradforyou at gmail.com. Music for the show, as always, is by Freak Motif and... Here we are, my conversation with unquestionable Calvin Smith. All right, Calvin, thank you for, thanks for reaching out, first of all, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. It's it's a pleasure to, to meet you. How are hey, you Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm doing really well. I'm glad to have a day off work for once. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And so you're you're coming from Detroit, Michigan, the city of mm -hmm. Detroit, the Motor yep. City, as uh, many of us know it as. Uh, I'll try and avoid all the stereotypes <laughs> from here on out. They're but, not entirely uh, inaccurate. What's the only? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm actually. Yeah, it wasn't how I was going to start, but maybe let me just throw this out out to you. Uh, Detroit's one of these cities that. You know, we've heard a lot about, you know, the, the, you know, the rise of Detroit. It was one of the big boom towns and then it kind of went down. 
what is it now? I've heard that some some stuff is coming back and that there's a bit better vibe going on there. Is that yeah? Accurate, there's or? there's a lot of new infrastructure that's being built in Detroit. Um, so it's really had a comeback, especially since probably about 2010. I would say is about when they really started to you know rebuild the city more and actually take back the um, the overgrown land that's in there because there was a ton of just abandoned lots that were just totally mm-hmm. overgrown with with forestry. Um, a lot of those have been, you know, bulldozed over and they have new infrastructure, whether it's, you know, commercial buildings or residential buildings or um, parks or activities or something. There's there's a big abundance of things being built in Detroit. So um, it's definitely making a comeback, but it, it still has a way to go. You know, there's still some parts of Detroit that you, you don't you don't want to be caught there, you know, alone uh, in the middle of the night or, you know, there's a <laughs> yeah. there's a couple places there. Um, that you definitely want to watch your step or watch what you say, watch what you do, watch what you wear. Um, but for the most part, right. it's 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 fun. You can there's a lot of fun activities in Detroit. And I mean, um, we we plan on taking a whole vacation in the next month or so just hanging out in Detroit, in downtown Detroit. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things I saw, like, you know, you'd see like YouTube videos or if you follow like certain comedians or whatever, they would talk about like going to Detroit and how like seeing this sort of you know, comeback, as it were, of the city. Uh, And it always kind of sounds like an interesting place. I mean, I don't find myself too often in that part of North America, but it's right over the border with Canada. So like, it's, it's not that hard to get to. Uh, Big hockey fan. So, you know, I know the Red Wings. Right on. But um, let's, uh, let's move on to your podcast. So why don't you, you know, give us the name and you, why you started it i've like i said I'd, i've gone through a couple episodes and i got a few specific questions about some some of the more interesting guests that you've had okay. on there um but what was the you know what was your inspiration why did you name it what you did unquestionable yes, i believe yes, right unquestionable. um let, let's hear yeah. it. um well i guess so i've always had this this itch to know truth right um i started off once upon a time as as a really avid conspiracy theorist um i considered myself a conspiracy theorist i was writing blogs on alien species that you know i couldn't even prove existed or i was you know believing in you know bigfoot and Loch Ness monster and ghosts and gods and um mothman and you know you name it um reptilians running the the government and you know the whole wazoo and it really wasn't until I took a step back and was like, okay, what do I believe religiously? And so my family is a lot of Baptists um, in my family. So they said, you know, pick up a Bible and read it and you'll know the truth. So I pick up the Bible, I read it. And by the end of it, I considered myself an atheist. And so um, I kind of took a step back and said, okay, if I'm applying this much skepticism to my religious beliefs, why don't I apply that same skepticism to all these conspiracy theories that I'm thinking or that I'm thinking are true. So I did that. I just took a step back and really looked at a lot of the conspiracy theories, which I still to this day, even six, seven years later, still digging myself out of some of these conspiracy theories that are really deeply ingrained. And it's 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 a long process. But I mean, it's just looking at unbiased sources. I was looking at information that I wanted to be true. I was I was looking at confirmation bias Mm -hmm. rather than looking at things from um, an unbiased point of view. So it was upon doing that that I kind of brought myself out of believing in Bigfoot. I don't see reason to believe in Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster, that the Earth is flat, (laughs) or that reptilians are running the government. I don't have reason to believe these things. So I started 
deconstructing my own conspiracy beliefs and, you know, partially religious beliefs as well. And I didn't really have much of an outlet for it. I wanted to, I just wanted to tell people like, I was like, you know, Hey, the, cause I know there was a lot of people that believe the same things that I did or very similar to the same things that mm-hmm. I did. And I wanted I mean, if they want to know truth as much as I do, maybe they should hear what I'm hearing and let's hear the feedback from them. And needless to say, I wasn't getting a lot of positive feedback. And I was like, okay, so are these people (laughs) not listening to me because they're scared to know the truth and that they don't want to know the truth or that they just legitimately have better evidence to believe it? So then that's when I thought of making a podcast. I was like, okay, so I want to talk to people on the internet, you know, or in person, whatever it may be about whatever belief it may be, whether you believe in Bigfoot or God or the flat, the earth is flat. I want to talk to these people and essentially convince me. I was looking into this um, method of Socratic questioning that's called street epistemology. And I started practicing that standing out in parks and actually um, talking to strangers walking around in the park about, hey, what do you believe? Do you have 10 minutes to talk about what you believe and why? And I would go through Socratic method of questioning, which is essentially just asking questions. You're not um, asserting any beliefs. You're not telling people even what you believe. You're just asking them questions. Goodbye. You know, they, you plant the seeds of doubt. I was doing this method. And so I figured to incorporate it into my podcast and talk to believers and all these conspiracies and, and gods. And, um, so I've talked to people like, um, Debbie Solaris, who has her own, um, TV show on the Gaia network. She's an Akashic record reader and believes that she was abducted by aliens and can channel them. I talked to, um, David Weiss, who's the self-proclaimed world's smartest flat earther or whatever he wants to call himself. And he's, uh, he's a very big name. If you know anything about flat earth, you you probably have heard of David Weiss. Um, I've had people like David Fitzgerald, who's a Jesus mythicist. Um, he, he came on we talked about why he doesn't believe Jesus ever existed whatsoever. Um, so I've had some pretty interesting characters on and the whole time I'm not necessarily professing what I believe. I'm just kind of letting them, uh, you know, plead their case. I ask them questions on it and I kind of let the audience you know, do their own thing. They they can take that information as they would like. Um, so I'm kind of the middleman is how I look at it. But um, mm-hmm. it was kind of recently that I started doing um, an afterthoughts segment because people actually did want to know what I thought. You know, people didn't like being left on like this cliffhanger. Like, you know, what do you think? What what's you know, you're asking all these questions mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm, yep. OK, through the whole interview. And then we don't, you know, get what you're actually thinking. So I did a final um, you know, thoughts segment where I actually gave my final thoughts. And, um, so I started doing that recently and it wasn't until probably about two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago that I actually announced that my podcast is going to be, um, ending. I'm actually going to be ending my podcast and starting a, um, I'm going to start trying to do my own like independent thing. So instead of being, you know, my podcast and I'm the entity of the podcast, I am the overall entity. So um, I'm kind of in the middle of converting all of my podcast stuff into unquestionable Calvin Smith. So um, it's a long process. But yeah, it's that's essentially why I wanted to do my podcast is because I want to know the truth. And if you claim that the earth is flat and you claim to have evidence of it, I want to see it. And that's that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I would think that 
Yeah, you know, I, I feel the same way in terms of, you know, the importance of truth. You know, I that's something that, you know, I I have a science background. That's was my training. I was always interested in biology. So when it came to like, you know, post-secondary university, it was like, well, obviously I'm gonna I'm gonna study biology, right? right? So I I definitely have that that bent of truth, wanting to find truth. What was it about what was it for you that that why was truth so compelling and what was why do you think you went to conspiracy at first was it just sort of that's what you bumped into first rather than say maybe a science textbook or something like that but you, did you yeah, see what i'm yeah so asking? more so for me it was the fear of the unknown you know i didn't want to say mm, that i don't know i didn't want to just say that you know i don't have the answers or that nobody has the answers so I wanted an answer to everything. So like, um, like right, a comfort, right. whether, you know, just the comfort of knowledge. So essentially I was, you could almost say I was putting myself on this pedestal that I know more than even the big wigs at NASA. I know we never went to the moon, right? you know, because blah, blah, you know, Steven Spielberg filmed it and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, <laughs> all this crazy yeah, stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. um, I, I, I'm fine just not knowing those types of things. It's, it's being comfortable saying that I just don't know if I don't have enough evidence to warrant believing it. And that's, that was the difference is that I didn't have enough evidence to believe it, but I wanted a to be true. So I just considered a to be true because that's what brought comfort to me. And now I'm just comfortable saying, I don't know how, you know, abiogenesis works. I don't know how that works. Period. You know, instead of having to make up some sort of theory as to how it works and what conclusion it reaches. So it's just comfortable saying you mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah. It's, it's so, okay. So that's interesting to me, too, because for me, I think, you know, the one of the big you know, interests in science as well is that for every, you know, sort of thing that you can conclude, you get evidence for, it opens up the door to like 10 other questions. Right. right? And so I always like to say like science, you know, like it's so exciting because you're at the tip of the spear. Right. Right. Like you don't, there is that great unknown. And I think that this is actually like a, uh, the science sort of communication people, you know, that do kind of what I do, science journalism, that kind of stuff. Don't lean into that as much. And I feel like that might be a way to sort of, you know, it's, I think Carl Sagan was really good at it. You know, this wonder, this mystery, Mm -hmm. right? Because it is a big mystery. As much as we're learning, there's still a big mystery. So embracing that mystery or being just the embracing the the ability to say, I don't know, is, is, I think, important. But the the conspiracy theory stuff, in particular, if we can hang on that Mm -hmm. for a moment, there's something, and I get, I don't know. I, I obviously have a different backstory than you, but the the comfort of not just being able to explain things, but it feels like there's an extra comfort, and you kind of described it with the pedestal, of being like, I know a secret that not everyone exactly. else knows. So it's not even just like an explanation. It's like a secret thing or, you know, yeah, like the big way, like we're being lied to. Yeah. And that's where I think the sort of nefariousness of it comes in. Exactly. I don't know if you would agree. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I would agree. And that's like, um, that's where they, they get, you know, you get closed off. You get doxastic, doxastically close to any new information. You know, you think that, you know, more than NASA does. I mean, how, how do you convince somebody that doesn't even believe NASA 
You know, like they don't believe a word that they're saying. They say every single thing that comes out of their mouth is is false. How do you convince them of that? You know, uh, th- that's something that I still to this day have trouble with is that people, you know, you can say, um, oh, all the evidence for the moon landing. And then you point to NASA and they say, oh, yep, you went to NASA. I'm not listening anymore because it's NASA. They all they always yeah. lie, you know, boom. And they just shut down. It's like, OK, well, all of the evidence is with NASA. So. If you don't just if you just automatically cancel out NASA, how are you ever going to possibly change your mind? Um, you need to be right. open to the new information, regardless of who is presenting it. I mean, you can always look at their. It doesn't hurt to look at what information they have and then try to falsify it. But completely closing yourself off to it, that's that's where you lose me. Yeah. And so this is I mean, I think this is an in, this is a. a a real problem that we have right now in terms of like, you know, people always talk about like science denialism and like all these debates that, you know, whether it's politics or whatever. Right. And how do we, how do we break through this? But it, it, it does feel like in a lot of cases, you know, everyone's coming with their own set of experts. We'll put air quotes (laughs) around some of this. Right. But you know what I mean? It's like, even for, even for, and this is, you would look at it and like, again, like in academia and stuff, like there's, there's debates that happen. It's usually about the minutia, right? Like most people, like you get to a point where you, you, you kind of, you, you have to agree on certain basic principles, right? Otherwise nothing can be true. You can't critique exactly. anything and then you can't make any progress. Right. right. So this is why I think facts matter. And like you get into some like postmodern stuff where it's like, well, truth is just subjective and it can mean anything to anyone. And it's all, and, and that drives me nuts because it's like, well, then we have no concrete way to actually build things, whether it's arguments or bridges or rocket ships or whatever. Right. right? Like, so we need that. But when we're, you know, well, my expert said this and then, well, yeah, but we have all this expertise over here that says this. So then it becomes a character thing. Yep. Right. So this is like an interesting, like, I don't know where we're at with this. And, and it, you know, you've talked to all these different people on your podcast and I, I, I like the approach that you take where you're not necessarily trying to convince them. You're just sort of like letting them lay it out. And then the audience kind of gets to gets to decide. But uh, I don't know, I kind of struggle with it as a science communication person as to like, well, you know, how do, how do we, like you said, if, the, if we're not open to, to considering the other side, then, you know, like just because of the source, then that, you know, we're never going to get anywhere. But then my, uh, my, my reflex sometimes with some sources is like, yeah, but that that's clearly not a good, you know, that's bullshit. So, so I fall into that trap as well coming from the other side, you know? So I just, I really don't know for sure. And I mean, I, I, I mean, I have to say there is a little amount of guilt with giving these people that, you know, literally believe, you know, in conspiracy theories, quite like they are conspiracy theories. They are not true. And giving these people a platform, it, it it's there's a little mm-hmm. bit of dread behind it but at the same time i i feel like those conversations need to be documented and had you know because you're not going to know unless you actually have the conversation and by you having the conversation that that you know the person listening doesn't have to have that conversation they, they can just listen to right. the argument and see their point of view and um 
I have to say out of all of the people that I've had on my show, I don't think any of them that have made any significant like supernatural claims, I don't think any of them have convinced me of any of them. Uh, as far as I mm-hmm. can think, I, I don't think any of them have said anything convincing to where I'm like, yep, I'm a flat earther or yep. Aliens built the pyramids or something like that. Like I no nobody has yeah. convinced me in that aspect or been able to, um, the most there was would be a pretty, some, a pretty some high pushback bar. <laughs> a little bit that I give um, with a handful of guests. It really depends on the vibe of the show. You know, if, if they're being a little combat combative, you know, I'll, I'll throw a little little su- sucker punch or whatever in there. Um, mm-hmm. Or I, I did a straight up. You could consider it a debate um, with with a pastor um, that was on my show. It's the God conversation is the name of the episode. And um he w- he was very devout um but after our conversation um he he has completely vanished from the internet since our conversation he he's completely deleted everything oh. regarding him so i don't know i don't know i guess our conversation struck some sort of chord <laughs> cuz he's missing oh wow <laughs> oh jeez oh, oh, what did what did you do i don't know I, uh well i mean this is the i mean this is yeah you know, you don't, it's a fine line, right? Because I think that this is, so there's two things here and you will, maybe we can unpack them sequentially or, or, you know, we'll throw it all in together. I'll throw them both out there. But the, the guilt of giving the platform, I think that's something that I definitely wanted to ask you about because it's something that's been a hot topic, um, recently you know in the last month with the whole i'm sure you probably saw the robert kennedy jr you know and the whole joe rogan thing um and then the conversation of like well do you do you debate someone like that does does a respected vaccine scientist go on and debate an anti-vaxxer on a admittedly massive platform right and there's, you know, there's people like Michael Shermer from Skeptic Magazine who's like, yes, absolutely. That is what you do. This is what this is what we do as public mm-hmm. intellectuals. And then I, I can also see the other side of people being like, well, no, like unless unless the format is correct, because a, a debate, let's be honest, the debate on the Joe Rogan podcast is not going to be a well-moderated, you know, coherent yeah. debate. Right. Like it's it's you're you're walking into a situation that you there's little control you're not going to get a fair moderation you know all of these kind of things mm-hmm. right so yes debate but then let's talk about the parameters of it what makes a better you know format let's say so there's that but then there's also the other thing of just like you know cuz i have i know people that are you know religious and in my youth i was more combative towards religion you know like i really you know rejected the upbringing of, you know, my Christian upbringing. And, you know, again, still, I'm not a religious person. I don't, but it's like, I was really aggressive mm-hmm. about it, you know, and I was also a teenager. So, you know, it's part, part of that, but it's like, now I'd be like, well, what, what, what purpose did that serve? You know, being an asshole about yeah. it. And like, so that's <laughs> you know, the thing, that, doesn't, is that, that like, doesn't really help. That's why I'm not, whenever people ask me like, Hey, why don't you do debates? Like, why don't, uh, you know, uh, why haven't you gone on modern day debate, which is a big, you know, debate uh, podcast that's out there right now. You know, why haven't you, you know, applied to go on there and debate somebody or why haven't you had actual formal debates on your podcast or why don't you do them in person? Because I don't think debates are helpful because 
you mm. you come in ready to defend your position. You are ready to not listen to a word that that person says and just be ready to throw back what you know they're dishing out. As opposed to if you just yeah. have a conversation, just take turns talking. Nobody is raising voices or trying to pull gotchas. Just asking questions with thought experiments and critical thinking. Let's talk about it. Then I think that is more beneficial than an actual debate. And I've actually seen that with my own eyes. You know, I've practiced street epistemology in person and on, you know, online. And you can see, you can see it in people's faces when you ask the right question. You can see the light bulb go off above their head. That's what I want right mm-hmm. there. It's just that light bulb to go off and you can see it in their face. And that's all you need is you just need to plant those seeds of doubt, those seeds of skepticism, just to get them thinking, get their gears turning a little bit. You don't need to convince them mm-hmm. right then and there or embarrass them or, you know, call them out on something or pull a gotcha. You just need to talk to them and let them know this is my position. This is why I don't believe you. Why do you believe that? How are you able to convince me of that right now? Um, and just go mm-hmm. at it cordially. That's the whole purpose of my podcast and why I've only done one debate on there, because I wanted to defeat the stigma of having these conversations and getting worked up and heated about it. I wanted to have cordial conversations about it. And that's the whole point of street epistemology. So that's why I wanted to incorporate it into my show. So I think mm-hmm. it's better to have mm-hmm. more calm conversations than to actually debate about things. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I see that. I see that. And again, just to then, you know, sort of play the other side, though, that it's like, then we're back to this sort of platforming mm-hmm. thing, right? And I I get that, I get that the idea is, is not for, you know, not for you to maybe convince the person that you're talking to at the moment, but it's anyone that's listening, will hopefully see your side of it you know, by listening to the conversation. And I get that. And I do think that that's really useful. And I think that you see, you know, the popularity of podcasts like Joe mm-hmm. Rogan. That's what, you know, I used to listen to it. Like it was the first podcast that I listened to. I it was too, what got yeah. me into podcasting, you know? Yeah, exactly. Right. It was this new thing. A friend showed it to me and it was the long form conversations. I was like, this is super cool. Like I, you don't get this anywhere mm. else. Right. Like I would listen to talk radio and stuff, but even that was like, it, it was nothing yeah. like this. And then when he started to have on, like, it was fun, you know, with the comedians and all that stuff. But then when he would get like, you know, legit yeah. scientists on there, I was like, this is super cool. This is like, you know, more people are going to learn about science from here than any, you know, PBS science special or any sort of Bill Nye exactly. or whatever, but right? Then like he it's has like this is gonna be it. Conspiracy theorists on um, that are self-proclaimed yes. scientists like Graham Hancock. Yeah. And yeah. I was one hundred percent convinced. I have all of Graham Hancock's books. Like he literally was my yeah. hero. I I loved Graham Hancock. And um it's because of the debate that Michael Shermer, Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson all did. That's what changed my mind mm-hmm. on that whole thing is after I listened to that interview, that so debate, then a debate was useful. I was like, like I listened to Michael Shermer and I'm like, yo, Michael Shermer, like I hated Michael Shermer. I still don't really like him too much, but yeah. <laughs> he's, he had a good ass point. <laughs> he he yeah. had a really yeah. good point. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to look more into this and 
boom, I don't believe in Atlantis anymore. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so, yeah, and that was the thing too, is that like I started to see, I, I just, I, I guess I tuned out and I still kind of defend, it gets harder to defend the show like Rogan because I would always be like, you know what? It's as much as the crazy people are on there, there's still value because you're getting, you know, with every crazy, you're also getting, you know, the Brian Greens and the yep. physicist, you know, and that kind of stuff. But it, what got me was it became less, he as a host became less inquisitive and it was like you, and you could really, you could almost predict when, well, this guest is going to get zero pushback. He's just going to lap yep. it up, exactly. you know, and be like, oh my God, that's amazing. Oh, it's incredible. Like, and just act, you know, so he's not even, he's not even feigning like, you know, or even just being like that neutral yep. face, right? It's like, he's endorsing it tacitly by being like oh my god that's crazy and it's like i it's it's you know subject matter that i'm familiar with so i'm like that's not true like i know that's yeah. not true or that's a misrepresentation and stuff and that kind of got me and 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 that that like that curiosity that sort of like whoa my mind is blown right now was great when it was you know the scientists the the physicists and stuff and then I started to be like, well, okay, like I'm kind of being judgmental because, you know, I, those are my experts, mm -hmm. right? So I believe them. So I like it when somebody has their mind blown by those guys. But then when someone comes on with the contradictory point, it's, I'm, I'm angry about it because there's no, so I always felt this conflict about it. And I kind of tried to defend it, you know, amongst, you know, conversations with friends and stuff of that when, the, especially when, you know, like. Uh, what's his face from Infowars? Oh, uh, Alex know. Jones. Yeah, Alex Jones would go on there and stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's great entertainment. Is this harmful to society, though? Like, is yeah. this, you know, and then with the anti-vaccine stuff and the whole COVID thing, you know, COVID just kind of made everybody go a little bit yep. crazy. But I think that was a real tipping point, too. And And it's just like, okay, well, at what point is this then harmful? to discourse, to society, because you have a massive platform. You have to understand. I know he was always like, that was his other scapegoat thing was like, well, I don't really, you know, I'm not, I'm just a comedian, blah, 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 all that stuff. But it's like, when your platform gets that big, what responsibility do you have to put some more effort into being a bit more of a, you know, maybe sort of like what you're doing, where it's like a neutral yeah. thing and then kind of trying to, you know, synthesize what happened at the end or whatever. I don't know. It's, 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 it's tough. It's tougher for me to defend. And I mean, obviously like, I think you're free to say whatever you want, you know, as long as you're not incite, inciting violence and all yeah. that stuff, right. Hate speech and everything. Right. So he's free to do whatever he wants on his show, but I guess I'm just saddened by it more than anything because it's like, well, shit, yeah. you know, like this was a cool thing, but now it's, you know, RFK junior. Yeah you know, just spouting stuff that is like, I don't think it's useful for people. I think it actually can be detrimental to people and there's zero pushback. And I just saw in the feed today that there was a guy, you know, on there now talking about intelligent design. Oh, and it's like, again, he's like presented as, as like a, as a PhD in this oh and a PhD in science philosophy and stuff. And then it's like, his book is like, 
something about evolution and the case for intelligent design. Oh and it's God. just like, oh, oh I've heard, yeah, yeah. I already know who you're talking about. I don't remember his name. I know exactly Steven who the guy is now, just from you yeah. saying that. Oh, that's annoying. So that's like, it's, yeah. And so that's like, I don't know. I don't know where you go. Right. Cause it's like, you know, Michael Shermer will be like, well, you gotta, we have to have these conversations. We have to. And in a way you're saying the same thing, right? Like we got to have these conversations. We have to not stigmatize these conversations, but, and I would never say censorship, but it's just like, I don't know what to do with it because like, it's tough to, you could say, well, g- compete with better ideas or something, but it's like the marketplace is skewed where your voice is not going to be heard above this, right. you know, this giant megaphone, right? Like, so how do you, how do you deal with that? I don't yeah, know. Exactly. I agree. I wish you had an answer. I know. I mean, honestly, it's, that's, that's, I mean, I agree, you know, it's, it sucks because it's like you give these people a platform, but it's like at the same time, you can be changing people's minds for the wrong reasons or, or for bad reasons. Um, cause you know, I think about that, you know, for the couple thousand people that listen to my show, you know, who's, who's to say a couple people didn't listen to my show. And I mean, I can look at the polls on my shows and, and really know that mm-hmm. there are people minds changing, not for the better, you know, I have polls for like the flat earth episode and it's like, uh, you know, do you believe fears is flat? And it was like a 50, 50 poll. <laughs> so literally 50 percent of the people that listened to it said yes and 50 percent said no so <laughs> yeah but then i wondered like how many of the 50 percent like already had that exactly. idea going in right like this is the other thing did they right? come into it and so this into is the conversation with an open mind or did they come in for the hopes of a shit show you know for hopes of someone getting yeah yeah yeah, or like they were already followers of the guests yeah. that you had on, right? And then they just show up because it's they know that that guy's going to be on your podcast and they want to hear him, you know, lay the hammer yep. down or whatever exactly. it is, you know, all this like you YouTubeification of these things, like so and so destroys someone exactly, else, yeah. and it's just like, oh, you know. And I mean, this is something we haven't touched on yet as well. I mean, but there's like the social media angle mm-hmm. of it, the algorithms that are pumping this stuff. So I don't know if there's a way, you know, in terms of like, well, okay, so let's say, let's say the, the argument is, you know, we both agree that, you know, Joe Rogan can have his show and has every right to it and has every right to have that guest. We're both disheartened and worried by the amount of audience that he has, the plat, the size that he has and what he's choosing to put on there. How do we how do we begin to maybe push back against that or create something that can rival that? Well, I mean, you got to use social media. That's part of it. You know, that's where, that's where things are happening. Yep. That's where, you know, these conversations, you know, so YouTube, I, I include YouTube and social media, Yeah. but then the type of content you're, you know, we're not going out with the like destroyed so-and-so clips. We're not going out with that aggressive mm-hmm. thing. So that's not going to get played. And then the other thing that I would bring in is, you know, I've done a lot of reading about science communication in particular. That's my field. That's where I work in. And people are like the sort of theory behind it, you know, communication in general is you need to connect with people and tell a story, right? Like storytelling is the most powerful method. Mm -hmm. So how do you... In an algorithm environment that is 
primed for like outrage and anger, how do you have a positive message that can break through? And how do we do that? How do you do that in a way that's still engaging, right? Mm. Like positive stories obviously can be engaging, but like we kind of know that negativity travels farther. So I, this is sort of the things I think about and I, and I'm just not sure where, how you do it. I don't know. Do you use social media? Are you, are yeah, you on yeah, there? Yeah, I am on all social media platforms. Um, so on my biggest presence is probably on TikTok. Um, I have 20, 23.5 thousand followers on there. So almost 24,000 followers. And I do agree that, that negativity doesn't, does spread faster than, than positive content. Um, but I, you know, it's unfortunate, but I kind of use that to my advantage. You know, I'm, I'm an atheist activist and, you know, podcaster. So that's, that's really what my content is, is, um, is atheist content. You know, I'll put up, a video mm-hmm. for uh, my best video has 1.2 million views and it's just reading off different uh, things that happened in the Bible. That's, that's literally it is it's remember that time in the Bible series. And I just yeah. say, remember that time in the Bible when, you know, uh, two women agreed to eat their children and then one backed out last minute, you know, like, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll say, you know, stuff, a whole video like that, where literally that is all I'm doing is saying things that happened in the Bible or the Quran or the Bhagavad Gita and people yeah. just, lose it and the thing is is it's like why are you mad at me i'm literally just saying like i even quote the verses like you can go read it like it's in the book why are you mad at me i'm just saying what's in there um yeah but yeah yeah you know i'll use that as like a platform you know to get the views and then respond to people based off of whatever they say you know whatever they're um so are you having comment like conversations with people yeah, in the comments? Yeah, so like people like in this? the comments will put, you know, hey, um, you know, oh, you know, uh, I don't know. They'll they'll say like, oh, that was the Old Testament or something. We don't talk about the Old Testament anymore. Boom, right there. Save that response and let's talk about <laughs> it. I make a video about it. And, yeah. you know, why do we have to follow the Old Testament? Matthew 5, 17 says that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And until the law is fulfilled, it's not abolished and the law isn't fulfilled. So you still have to follow the Old Testament. The Ten Commandments are in the Old Testament. Yeah. So if do you follow the Ten Commandments or do you do you just, you know, do you just follow the certain laws that you want to in the Bible or all 613 of them? Yeah. Um, so it's stuff like this. So I'll build responses based off of whatever like base video I'll make. And it actually creates for some pretty interesting conversations I've had with people. I've actually gotten guests from the comment sections in my uh, my TikTok specifically. Um, like the God conversation episode that I did with the pastor, he had a TikTok mm-hmm. and he showed up in my comment section, you know, commenting on every single video I had on. So I said, Hey man, you know, you follow me, I'll follow you. And we can talk in the direct, direct messages or whatever. We can just talk this out. We were talking for a while yeah. and I was like, look, you know, you're pretty well-spoken. Do you want to come on my show and actually talk face to face about this and we can finish this? And he said, yeah, but I kind of want to debate you a little bit though. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. It's <laughs> like, let's do it. Why not? I was Fine. like, okay, why not? So, um, yeah, it was a little bit of like an informal debate that we had slash conversation. Um, didn't get really heated at all or anything. It just was, you know, I was asking, I was definitely being more hard than I was on previous guests. And, um, yeah, mm-hmm. finished up the conversation. I haven't talked to him since. So I, I don't know where he went, but yeah, it's, it's sad, but that does the negativity helps build the message. So people will say to me, you know, Hey, why, you know, why are you, 
being so angry or whatever. You know, people will say comments like that. But in actuality, I'm not mm-hmm. being angry. I'm being assertive because, you know, mm-hmm. Christian nationalism is a thing. And that's the whole point of yeah. what I, you know, with the Secular Alliance of Michigan, she can get into that in a little bit. But, you know, I work with them fighting against Christian nationalism and, you know, fighting with naturalistic worldviews. And it's it's angering. It, it is angering when people are basing, you know, when people are voting for candidates based off of what they believe rather than what they what their policies are and what what they plan to change and make how they plan to make the community a better place. They just care about whether they believe in their God or not. You know, that's the main reason why they're why mm-hmm. they're voting for people. And that's frustrating because I vote. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, whatever you want to be. I care about well-being. So if you're a Republican, but you're going to do what's best for my community, I'm going to vote for you. If you're a Democrat and you're going to do mm-hmm. what's best for my community, I'm going to vote for you. I don't care what color you are. So um, it it's it's people ask me why I'm so upset about it. It's because I have a right to be upset about it. You know, atheists are the, are the minority here. Uh, we're, we're rising minority, but we still are the minority as far as religious, uh, non-religious belief goes. So I have the, I think I have the right to be angry. You know, we've sat back for long enough and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, you guys, you know, frankly, the Christians kind of messed up the place U S let's be honest. And, um, (laughs) so, you know, I'll just say it, I don't care. And (laughs) yeah, so, um, people ask me why I'm so angry and I'll say, well, instead of focusing on how I'm saying it, listen to what I'm saying. Did you listen to what I'm saying? Take mm-hmm. away the tone of voice that I'm, I have. And did you hear what I said? And, um, yeah, that's basically how I'm trying to combat it is by getting people's attention using the negativity. And then once I've got their attention, then, then we can have the conversation. It's just a matter of getting their attention. And it, it's sad that mm-hmm. it's the angry mm-hmm. portion that that does that because I tried street epistemology stuff like for early TikTok, Um, and it wasn't reaching, there was no reach for it. And then I put out the, remember that time in the Bible series and boom, all, you know, 1.2 million views, you know, in 24 hours. So I was like, okay, I guess this is the type of content I need to do if I want to do anything with this. And, um, yeah, that's just, that's just how social media works. Unfortunately. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. I, I'm, I dabble in the social media, but like, I just, yeah, I haven't found anything that hits. And I also like, I don't really enjoy doing it personally. <laughs> so uh, I just don't, you know, I don't, I don't go into it that much, but I think that that's, a, it's, I respect the, you know, it's like play the game, right? Like this is the game. So let me play the game and, and try and, and try and have a positive mm-hmm. outcome from it. Uh, so I, I get that. And maybe that's, Maybe that's it. That question that I had about like, well, how do you, how do we, how do you break through, you know, the current environment and, and, and get different ideas out there or, you know, change people's mind, I guess would be the, although I'm always kind of hesitant on that too. Like the idea of like, I'm just out there to try and change people's mind. Like I don't view my job, science journalism kind of thing in that way, science communications. Like I don't really want to like not really out to like change your mind. It's like, I think this stuff is cool. Mm -hmm. And so I want to tell you about it. And I also think, but you know, I do end up like running into so much stuff where it's like, well, now I got to, I feel like I I feel obliged to like debunk this or or debunk that or whatever. Right. Um, But I am, uh, I am curious about the Secular Alliance of Michigan. And I think that this is something that you kind of, you know, I saw a little bit of emotion come up in your in your face on this, uh, 
when you were talking there about, you know, well, I think I, I should be, you know, fired up about this. And one of the questions that I had in my, my mind before the show, when I was just thinking about what we were going to talk about was this idea of, you know, I think a secular alliance, you know, like a sort of like we like I, I, I think of a joke, like, you know, like where it's like a bunch of protesters with like blank signs or signs that like we don't believe in anything and that needs to be respected, right. you know, and that just kind of seems silly. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't realize, especially people outside of the U.S. don't really realize why you would mm-hmm. need a sort of atheist organizer. It's like if you don't believe in anything, what are you organizing yeah. around and why? I think I understand where you're coming from, but maybe yeah. you could explain. So, especially here in America, Christianity is the number one religion. Like, bottom line. Here, we have a little spot um, in southeast Michigan. It's Dearborn, Michigan, and it has the highest co- um, concentration of uh, Muslims in, in the country. Um, that's where... So you go to Dearborn and, you know, you'll see a lot of uh, Islam everywhere. But everywhere else is mm-hmm. Christianity. And... Um, the whole thing is is Christians, they have churches, right? They have church communities, they have potlucks together, they have charities, they have family get-togethers, they have everything from baptisms to um, communions and all these different community outreach programs. But non-believers don't have that. They just don't have that. And um I actually was falling into that hole of not having anybody. You know, I was here. I was an atheist in Southeast Michigan, and I didn't have any friends that believed in the same things that I or didn't believe in the same things as I did. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I'm here on the Internet looking for just a, a friend group of people of like minded people that aren't focused around. Mm-hmm. God did it. Look at the trees. You know, Jesus is your Lord and savior. You go on any highway out here and you'll see one, eight, three, four truth. Um, you know, Jesus is, you know, arisen and you know, all this Christian propaganda yeah, everywhere dri- you driving look through the U S is wild. For Literally that. Yeah. both <laughs> of my neighbors on both sides of me are evangelical Christians and they can't shut up about God. Like, I'm just going to be this this guy on the other side. He drives for the Salvation Army. You know, he's he's a truck driver for them. So he's which is a good um, thing to do. So it's it's everywhere. It is rampant and you it's really hard to get out of it. And the further you go south, I'm pretty north. So once you go south, it just gets heavier, 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 heavier. Mm -hmm. If I was doing this activism here in Texas, I probably would be dead by now. Um, I'm just going to be like people are literally telling me, like, dude, you couldn't do that where I live because you would literally just be gone down it wouldn't happen um and that's the thing is that atheists don't have a community so the president of sam the secular alliance of michigan his name is chris mclaughlin and he actually um has done activism most of his life and he essentially saw this need for a atheist community now there was the uh, michigan atheists organization which is a 501c3 organization and they were they're actually the oldest secular nonprofit organization in the entire country is the michigan atheists Hmm. and um and then american atheists came after that and the person who opened michigan atheists created american atheists so essentially that was going from 1974 all the way up until about 2006 and then the owner of um michigan atheists was actually murdered by Christians, funny enough, um, wow. her and her child, her child were, were both murdered and dumped in the Detroit River. And then um, it sat basically unkept for 
you know, 10, 15 years. And so Michigan atheists kind of fell off the map. And here I come at this point, 2020 ish, and I don't have a community. I don't have any friends that are atheists or open atheists or out atheists that just want to hang out and not even necessarily talk about not God, just hang out and just know that I'm with someone that has similar beliefs. Um, and, and someone that's not going to try and like convert you or like, you know, Um, preach to you or whatever. Yeah. Okay. And so Chris McLaughlin at that point, he started creating the secular Alliance of Michigan. And earlier this year, um, in January of 2023, he actually opened Sam and then, um, just this past month, last month, we gained um, ownership of Michigan Atheists. So now I'm technically the social media manager for Michigan Atheists as well. Um, we're one entity. And uh, we're just trying to build up that community so that people have outreach programs. So, for example, um, we're passing a bill for a um, right now the courts when you let's say you get pulled over for um, a DUI or something and you go to court and you have um, court ordered um, AA meetings that you need to go to AA Mm -hmm. in America is a Christian organization. Bottom line, like quite literally you can't like quote unquote graduate until you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior period. Right. Submit to a higher power. Exactly. And And there's God language all over their books. And, um, we are passing a bill that is actually passing by the end of this month that will now require anyone who gets a DUI and is in front of the judge and the judge orders, you know, court ordered um, AA meetings. They have to ask that person, are you affiliated with any religious groups? And if they say no, then the judge by law needs to give them resources to find a secular AA group that will not push God on them, but they can still pass Mm -hmm. because right now AA only 8% of people that enter AA actually finish the program and quote unquote sober up. 8% of the people that go to AA. That is a very, very small percentage. Um, so, and there's actually a speaker that has come to one of our, um, some of our events that we have for Sam and he's he's actually been through, a, you know, he's a recovering alcoholic. He's been through the Christian AA programs and he came out of it still an alcoholic because he had to just profess that Jesus was God and he passes type of thing. So like he just Mm -hmm. did that, got out, started drinking more. And then he got court Mm -hmm. ordered again. He decided I'm going to do something secular. You know, I don't want all the God language stuff this time. And he found a secular program. He's now 20 years sober. So, you know, it just goes to show. And so now we're passing that bill by the end of this month and we're creating an app to where similar how churches hold fundraisers for, let's say, a church member has a has cancer. They get cancer and they don't have the funds to pay for their surgeries or whatever. The church will get together and, you know, everyone will give a dollar or whatever and they will help fund mm-hmm. that surgery. Well, atheists don't have that because we don't have churches. You know, we don't have communities to do mm-hmm. that. So we're in the middle of making a community that can do that. We're in the middle of making an app where secular people can go on there and say, hey, I'm atheist. You know, I I don't have a church to go to, but I need help. Essentially, it's an atheist GoFundMe type of type of of site, but it's Michigan Mm -hmm, exclusive. mm -hmm. And um, we're in the middle of opening an app like that. And we're going to be opening a community center sometime next year. We're looking into real estate to open a community center. That's a secular community center where people can come and hang out with like-minded people. And it's about combating Mm -hmm. and, and equalizing religion. It's cool if you don't want... Or if you if you want to believe in a God, right? You know, I I really don't care if someone wants to believe in God, 
but you're not going to push it on me. You're not going to put it in government policies. You know, abortion's a hot topic right now. And the policies being passed mm-hmm. that are that are banning those types of procedures and, and treatments are based off of Christian policies that are being passed by by, you know, far right Republicans. Yeah. And not necessarily the best public health advice, but rather an ideological. Exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah. and then they all point to the Bible. This is why you can't do it, because the Bible says so. What, you know, why? Yeah. Why? Why should I care what your book says? Um, that's really where I'm coming from. So yeah, it's, it's weird when people say like, oh, why would you, you know, are you going to a non-stamp collecting of, you know, I'm a non-stamp collector (laughs) type of thing. Like, no, it's, it's about community. These people don't have community. I felt alone until I found this community and I'm extremely happy that I'm actually making a difference and we're helping pass laws and healthy skepticism and we're growing in hundreds and hundreds of members every month. And now I have my own event called Ask an Atheist. I have my sign sitting behind me. And um, I'm mm-hmm. sponsored by the Secular Alliance of Michigan. And I do straight epistemology on behalf of them and pass out pamphlets and cards and stuff. And we have conversations with people right there. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 about so making this a difference. Is, <laughs> yeah. So it's it's interesting. And again, I'll, I'll play with the sort of double edgedness of it because I... I see the, this is one thing that I've softened on that I was, you know, when I was sort of saying like, I don't believe and why, you know, this doesn't make sense. So many contradictions, you know, all that stuff. Right. Um, I wasn't considering the community aspect of it. And there is, you know, that's a very big thing for people, you know, community and tradition, you know, like you mentioned, you know, like baptism, communion, like these sort of rites of passage Mm -hmm. that you go, you know, like it's, it's a very natural thing, actually, for human beings to have these kind of rituals, traditions, you know, it's, it's, it's comforting for us. It's how we sort of develop social bonds. Like there's, there's actually some, you know, like a lot of evolutionary sort of psychology science around this kind of stuff. Um, So yeah, but, but it's all tied to this religion thing. So if you don't have that, then where do you get that? So I, 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 I completely understand that aspect of it. And I wonder if maybe it's just like, it's almost the name because atheist means not like it's already, it's the name just puts it in conflict almost with that other Mm. thing, right? Like you're defining yourself by a non-belief in something. Whereas like, I don't know, maybe just changing the name to like, you know, the the Michigan community associate, you know, something like this, but then it does, that doesn't probably do it justice at this moment because you're trying, you are also on the other hand, trying to push back against this thing. So it's not just community is a big part of it. I see that, but there is a little bit of pushing against something else, Mm -hmm. you know, fighting for some kind of space. And when it comes to, you know, politics and, you know, public health policy and stuff, I absolutely see that. But when you're doing, it's it's almost in a way like evangelicals trying to convert people. No, no way, you're 100% right? like, correct. So we, we actually joke about it at our meetings. And we say, you know, you ready to go out and evangelize today? You know, it's like we, we joke about yeah. it because essentially it, it is. It's atheist evangelism where we're... Um, for example, but what's the point of that? Would you say, is that just because you, because then you're, then you're kind of making a, a judgment that your belief of non-belief or whatever that, that structure is better for people, yeah. or is it more just like, 
let me put this out there and then you can you can come to it if you want. But if if I don't put it out there, you won't know yeah. that you have that so option. We honestly we kind of put it as, yeah, you you probably would be better off just not believing in a God. Let's be honest. We're, that's exactly what our pamphlets explain is what is atheism? What is mm. the misconceptions of atheism? What is theism? Why are we the Secular Alliance of Michigan? What is our mission? And what we do with these science here is when we go out and do street epistemology with them, is it's pretty common with the big the street preachers on their soapboxes with the megaphones and the big huge sign that says, you know, repent or burn, you know, kill the homosexuals, whatever it may be. But and I'm not even exaggerating. These mm -hmm. people's signs are gigantic and they will stand right on every street corner yeah. and scream at you and Bible thump you. And we stand right next to them with this sign and we're standing there with pamphlets silently we literally don't move we just stand there we're right this guy is right next to us is screaming you know repent or burn you yeah. know you, you're you're sinful and you know disgusting people we're just we're just asking you know hey here's a pamphlet do you want to have a conversation do you okay fine okay bye you know like you don't have to have a conversation with us we're not yeah. screaming at you um we're trying to set an example um that we're mm. not this guy, you know, people are the, the whole atheist label has a really bad connotations behind it. People hear atheist and they think we're out here eating babies and worshiping Satan. Um, but I don't believe mm -hmm. in Satan either. That's, 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 yeah. that's part of your fairy tale. <laughs> that's kind of the um, point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and babies don't even taste that good. And, um, <laughs> so we try to set an example, you know, that we're not these fire not every atheist out there is a firebrand you know embarrass you using you know bad bible versus type of atheist we're not out here all doing that we're just letting everyone know hey we're here we're the secular alliance of michigan we're gonna we're actually gonna be a 501c3 by the end of this month we're working on getting our certification now so we're gonna be a 501c3 and tax exempt by the end of this month and like hey you know churches are tax exempt we're tax exempt you know if churches can do it we can do it too um, it's more so like mm -hmm. you could almost consider it trolling in an, in an aspect, you know, if churches yeah, want to yeah, claim yeah. that, you know, their book is the truth and that they have, uh, you know, 501c3 access because of it. Okay. Well, I have, you know, this biology book and this is the reason why we can have 501c3, you know, it's, it's no different to me. Um, it's so for me, it's, it's really about the community. It's about spreading healthy skepticism and it's just letting people know that we're there, you know, cause people didn't know that this, this is a thing. You know, I go out and stand with these street epistemology signs, people approach me and they say, can I get a card? I had no idea that this was a thing. You know, like I am so happy mm -hmm. that you guys are here. Like I'll, I thought that you were one of those guys over there pointing at the street preacher. Like I thought you were one yeah. of those guys. Um, can I get a card? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've actually had more atheists approach me at these meetups than I've had Christians. I mean, Christians are, you know, it's a big sign people. It's, it's arguably pretty intimidating to see a big sign, big yellow sign that says, mm. ask an atheist. You know, it's kind of scary to see mm -hmm. that sign if you're, if you're a Christian or something like that. But, um, atheists mm -hmm. see that sign and they, they can see a beacon, you know, they see a beacon of hope like, oh my God, I'm not alone out here. Cause especially where I am out in mm -hmm. Southeast Michigan, it is very, there's a lot of very heavy evangelical, um, community out here and, and everyone has their own special deconstruction story. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, again, I find it interesting that there is like this duality kind of thing. It's like, you're doing the same thing that they're doing, but
but in a different way. And in, 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 you know, someone could make the argument, well, you're just, you know, you're, it's just the same thing. Just take away the God, but it's yeah, the same I mean, thing. Honestly, you know? it kind of is. Yeah. And I, that's just interesting to me. I'm not making a judgment yeah. on that uh, either way, but I think that that's just, it's, it's fascinating. But I think that like the community thing is so important. And I think that that's, that is, you know, a lot of people lack that. And I, you know, I give credit to churches for providing that for people. I just wish that it wasn't tied to this whole, like, believe this thing, or otherwise you're going to burn yeah. in hell. You know, like the, the strings that are attached, like that's the thing that I can't get over with religions. Too, like, yeah, there's all this work stuff with churches. There's been several, um, you know, uh, like homeless feedings. We've done like charity events where we, you know, make, uh, make plates for the homeless and we team up with churches. Mm -hmm. We do the events in church with, you know, as long as the yeah. church is cool to have us, we're open. You know, we want to help the community. We don't care if you believe yeah. in a God, if you're willing to host us, we will help you. Like we'll help pay for it and everything. You just have to be yeah. open to us. You know, are you as open yeah. as you say you are, or are you just putting on a farce? Yeah. And I think that that's really cool. Like the fact that you're like, that there is a community service angle to it, the community angle and the community service angle. Cause if it was just out there, just mm -hmm. a troll and sort of just to sort of like make people stop believing in God, you know, that then it would be like, yeah. well, that's just kind yeah, of, we have, we you have know, all kinds of kind events. Of vicious, we have you know? events like skeptics on the move, which is just a walking group. Just people get together and literally just walk like three or four miles like in whatever given town it is that month or that week, we do it every Sunday. Um, I've never attended because yeah, I can never line up my schedule, but it's just like, we just call it skeptics on the move. And it's literally just a bunch of people getting together and walking around, just conversing, just doing a little like exercise or we have pop culture yeah. night where it's like, it's totally not even anything God related. It's like, or atheist related. It's literally just talking about pop culture. We just happen to host mm -hmm. it. Or uh, we do our damn yeah. meetings, which is Detroit Atheist Meetup, where we just get together and we talk about, hey, this is what has happened in, you know, the Detroit community that is relative to atheism or religion. Like we, we met up at the damn meeting a couple months ago. St. Clair Shores is a couple miles north of us, and they now have In God We Trust stickers on the back of all of their police vehicles. And mm -hmm. so we talked about that. How are we going to combat this? Does anyone have any ideas on what we can do to confront this? I mean, this is a government vehicle and they're putting in God we trust on there. Is that allowed? Should we look at the laws? Do we have a lawyer here that can explain this to us? So it's like it's an informative meeting. But I mean, altogether, we just get together at a steakhouse, eat some food and converse about whatever we want. You know, it's not even exclusively like all of our events are just like about deconversion or secularism or atheism or anything like that it is legitimate just like getting together and hanging out with like-minded people is a lot of our events yeah i think that's really cool and it's like and i wonder again I, i'm thinking of like you know my experience growing up in canada and now living here in europe where like europe is you know you see the the remnants of the the church yeah. everywhere right like every village has these churches and there's the giant cathedrals and stuff but it feels like it's less of a thing even though you know some of the political parties you know will be named like the christian democrats and stuff like mm -hmm. this it's not really you know prevalent in in the in the political discourse and stuff like that there's kind of maybe a, a hat tip to it and especially in canada too it's like i couldn't tell you 
except for maybe one politician in my life, what religion they were. <laughs> right. You know, and like, see, that's I, what just, I want to hear. Like, I can tell you right now, like, about Biden's it. Catholic. Like, why? Why does he have yeah, to be Catholic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just... But it, and this is what I think people coming from outside the U.S. And this is where I I, I understand the sort of more aggressive, may, aggressive, maybe the wrong word, combative sort of activist role that an atheist organization could play in a community in the U.S. Because I think a lot of people living outside the U.S. don't realize how, you know, how much religion is influencing and sort of baked into the politics yes. and creeping into the laws and stuff. And I think that, you know, we have this non-Americans have the idea of the U.S. as the land of the free and freedom of religion and freedom of expression and all this stuff. But it's like when you look at it, it more and more becomes closer to a theocracy, you know, like it, it really like it's it's kind of so I understand that you would. Yes, there's things that you should that you need to push back and that maybe, you know, that aspect of the group wouldn't exist in, say, Canada or Belgium or, you know, somewhere else just because it's not, you know, it's not there. But like the idea of a, a someone running for the for the for any level of government, really, in America that openly said, I don't believe in God, like they wouldn't stand a chance. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And I mean, the, the, to my knowledge, I mean, there has never been an atheist president. I mean, to my to my knowledge, um, I don't because yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't think, I don't think so. they would make it, uh, you know. And they would be asked the question. Exactly. They would be asked the question by the media, by somebody at a town hall or something. Somebody would say, hey, you haven't said anything about God or what? Like, what and do it's you like believe? The thing is, right? Inauguration day comes, you know, and what are you told to do? Was the president told to do on inauguration day? Put his hand on a Bible and he's told to swear into the yeah. country. That's literally the first thing you do is to as president is you have your hand on a Bible and your hand, the other hand up. What happens if you have yeah. an atheist president, someone elected as president, and inauguration day comes? What kind of outcry is that going to cause if there's an atheist president who doesn't have his hand on a Bible on national television? Or picks a different or book. Or picks a different book. Like, God know, forbid like... there's like a Muslim president or something, which I don't even think that. Wow, that's, I, that just, that I'm sorry, but that just would <laughs> never happen. This. But uh, it's yeah, not that I'm not opposed to it necessarily, but it's, it's, you know, I don't, again, I don't care what God you believe in. If you're going to do what's best for the community, cool. Um, but at the same mm -hmm. time, I, I, a Muslim president would kind of worry me a little bit. Um, as someone who's read the Quran that, that well, <laughs> uh, it just, again, it just comes down to how much are you letting that influence your your decisions on for a, a group of people, like you're going to govern a group of people that aren't all the same religion as you. Are you there to impose that on them? Or are you there to just govern as someone who has their exactly. own beliefs in private, which I think is more how we view it in Canada. Like, again, like, I don't know what the, I don't know what the religion of the people are. I mean, obviously Canada is like, it's, you would call it a Christian country, right? Like we're just like the U.S. in terms of immigration. And we have lots of different people from all over. We have visible minority candidates. And, you know, so obviously you can kind of like take a guess at what their religion is because they'll wear a, a turban or a mm -hmm. hijab or something, you know, so it's like, okay. But it's not like they don't get questions about it in the media. You don't really see any, you know, 
there is some, you know, conservative sort of Christian people pushing that kind of policy, mm -hmm. but it generally doesn't play very well. It's kind of growing. It's kind of changing. And I think Canada, you know, like a lot of places kind of follows the U S and in, in some of these trends and stuff, but uh, yeah, it's just, that's, that's the interesting thing to me that I think I, I, I don't think a lot of, again, a lot of people outside the U S don't really realize how much, and it's and too like Michigan too, like you wouldn't even someone who I feel, I feel pretty well versed in politics and world politics and, and the U S and stuff. I'm saying these things about, you know, religion that you're kind of agreeing with but it's like michigan doesn't pop up on my radar as like an overly yeah. religious and place I mean, honestly, it's i always it think really of it isn't. as one of the sort of compared to like the other states i've been to um michigan is is mm -hmm. pretty chill i mean you get toned to down yeah like southern michigan right on the border of like ohio and michigan there's a there's mm -hmm. cornfields and jesus signs that is literally the border of ohio and michigan is cornfields and jesus signs um, and then once you get into Ohio a little bit, it starts to get a little bit better. And then you hit Southern Ohio and it gets really religious. And then you're in like Tennessee, Kentucky, stuff like that. And then it's just straight up Jesus or die. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's really, really interesting. Um, but and it, the, yeah, the God language is literally everywhere. You really can't get out of it. Um, even, yeah, you know. So uh, some of my employers, you know, there was very limited things I could say, you know, with some of my previous employers about, you know, how I, I used to work for the University of Michigan. And um, I had to be very careful about my online presence and what I was saying because, you know, U of M was always watching me. So, <laughs> um, well, and that's, again, one of these things that you would think that like a university should be not ideology, you, you know, ideological, <laughs> like it shouldn't, it shouldn't be religious. I mean, obviously there's religious schools, you know, like Notre yep. Dame and, you know, they, they have that here in Europe, you know, you have like Catholic universities and stuff like that. So gradually the, the church doesn't have as much influence on it anymore, but in the U S it almost feels kind of weird too, because it's not like, it's not even like Catholicism isn't the big one, yeah. you know, which is where there is like a, a, a top down hierarchy, right? Like the Pope says this and then everyone has to like, that's the, that's the way it goes across yeah. the whole world. Like you have, like, when you get into like the Protestant side of it and then like Lutherans and evangelicals and it's like, there's anybody can make a church and become a pastor and just like, you know, so there's no, and everybody, you know, the, the whole point of Lutheranism and yeah. like Protestantism was like the Bible matters, not what exactly. the Pope says. And I mean, so then anybody can just take the Bible and say whatever they want. And exactly. So you get like all of this. So it's not even like a real, obviously now they've coalesced into like political action groups and stuff like this. And, and, you know, these big powerful organizations that can lobby and, you know, provide money to candidates and stuff to push this, but it's like, it's, it's, we, it's almost like a self-policing thing when you're talking about like your employer, you know, like, it's not like your employer is going to like the, you know, the, the priest is going to hear about it. And then he's going to tell you, it's like, no, they just don't want you to do that because they believe exactly. It. Yeah. Like, it's just weird. Um, like, that's a really weird yeah. thing. And, and that's such, and I mean, it, it, luckily I have a more, um, I have a more open employer now that, you know, they're, they're, they're religious. They consider their business a religious business, 
Um, even though there's not, I work in the pet industry. I don't understand how religion, but I, I don't see it anywhere. Um, they claim yeah, to be, but sure. they're, they're not. I mean, they know what I do and they don't care, you know, as long as I'm yeah. not, you know, yeah, doing it on behalf of them or whatever. Bringing but, it to work. You know, or and I'll, I'll yeah. say, yeah. You know, at least our secular group isn't coming up on people's porches and like knocking on your doors, asking you if you want to talk about atheism. You know, that's the, yeah, that's yeah, the Christians yeah. that do that, that will literally walk up to my door and ask if I yeah. want to talk about Jesus. And I'm like, do you know who I am? Do you want to come in? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll set up the camera and the microphone now. And they're like, never mind. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I got my Bible ready. Like, you ready? I don't have my Bible on hand. But I'm like, you ready, man? Like, we yeah. can have a conversation. I got one here. I don't know. But. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, let's go. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a different environment. And and, and so that, that's like I said, like, I, 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 I visited the States a lot, you know, I love the U.S. I think it's a really fascinating place, but it's just, and this, I wonder how much of this is um, bubbled up in recent years. Like it's getting, it feels like the religion thing is getting stronger, but I don't know, maybe Honestly, that's just, I think again, it's the like social media and all this stuff. Access to information, really. I mean, because I didn't really think about it as much until, funny enough, I started working with the, the University of Michigan, uh, having a desk job and you know, sitting in front of a computer screen for eight to 10 hours a day. Um, I would do my work and then mm -hmm. on my breaks, I would use computer and, you know, research stuff that I was looking at. And it was much more easily accessible because I didn't have that much. Like I had internet capabilities before that, but not to the extent that I had at the University of Michigan and through the mm -hmm. University of Michigan, um, you know, using their resources to, to help research, research those things. And then I eventually got all my own equipment to actually do it from home. So mm -hmm. it's because of the access to information why that I was even able to bring myself out of a lot of these things. Cause like 10, 15 years ago, you know, you ask me if I believe that the moon landing happened, I would say no. And, um, I wouldn't be able to debunk myself. I couldn't go to like a computer and you know type in, you know, yeah. did the moon landing yeah, yeah. happen or something like that? There wouldn't be the, the information that I need there. So I think it's an uptick in, in information and access to, to information via the internet it has a lot to do with why it's such a hot topic now because people are able to look into what they believe more now and there's a lot more people talking about mm -hmm. it yeah but i mean it, in terms of like you, the sort of again the the narrative or the things that i would see on my you know youtube which is obviously skewed to to my you know information bubble uh, about the U.S., though, is that it really feels like there's a lot more um, push for religion and, you know, this religious, you know, the, the, the Supreme Court and all of these decisions. And, yep. you know, I just see it all the time. And I wonder what you think, like, is is it is, you know, that side of, you know, that really pushing for religion in schools and then is that becoming more of a thing and is it a reaction to you know super liberal stuff that's 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 been going on for a while or like the lib the gradual liberalization of of things over time or what do you what do you see there what I mean, do you short attribute answer, it to yes yes it is that bad <laughs> it is very bad like literally like mm. it is very bad um everything from um you know people changing uh, mascots from at schools, like changing school mascots because it like is, is something offensive to the, to the Christian faith or, 
um, telling kids that they need to pray before class or putting in God we trust stickers on the back of police cars or praying in the middle mm-hmm. of city hall on the national day of prayer. That's you can't do that. Mm. You can't be in a government taxpayer building praying to the Christian God. You can't do that. Yeah. You know, you you can't. That's mm-hmm. not legal. <laughs> That's literally illegal. Yeah. But they're just like, <laughs> F you, we're gonna do it anyways. Stop us. And just no, you know, we're standing out there with picket signs and that's quite literally all we can do um, because the police mm-hmm. aren't doing anything, you know, because they're Christian, too. Um, and so it really is that bad. Like it is really everywhere. It is pushed on you heavily. But yet the atheists are the groomers because we're telling you to just think about it a little bit more rather than just like go off of blind yeah. faith or indoctrination, <laughs> you know, um, but we're the groomers. I don't, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense, but yes, it, it really is that bad and it is everywhere and, um, it is pushed on you a lot. Um, you know, I just, we were just driving down the highway and saw a water tower, like a city water tower that had just a giant sign that said, God bless America, you know, like, and I'm just like, fuck it. Ah, uh, why? You know, because that's the thing is that people are all like, "Oh, it says God." It's talking about you know all gods. It's including all gods. It's not. That's not what that means. You know, no, the, it's the, not. That's the not whole what in they, God we yeah. trust thing on on money. You know, President Eisenhower did that because he converted to uh, Mennonite, so in office, so he put into order that all money is going to have in God we trust on it. That means that it is specifically yeah. talking about the Christian God the Meta Knight God. Yeah. So every time you look at a yeah. dollar bill and you give a dollar bill, you're essentially just affirming the Christian faith. And that's just disgusting to me. I don't, I don't like that. I don't think that's fair. You know, it'd be one thing if it said mm-hmm. in all gods, we trust. Cool. You know what? I'm actually fine with that. If you say in all gods, we trust because yeah. you are uh, yeah. including everybody. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Honestly, you can't say in, in all gods or in no right. gods. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it, it's funny. So like, then I, it just I, gets I absurd get when you're trying to no do all God that. I trust or something for the back of my car or something. Yeah. It's just, it's rampant. Yeah. And the fact that just like the government just doesn't care because they're all Christian. It's just reaffirming their own beliefs. And it's, that's why the, the term Christian nationalism is a very hot term right now. Because it is Christian mm-hmm. nationalism. They are taking over the nation, or at least they want to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, you know, again, you look into some of the, the and it's, the politicians is one thing, right? Like, that's the face. They get the money, and so they sort of toe the line and enact the policies and stuff when in power. But it's like you look behind it at, you know, the the organizations giving money or, you know, the school board stuff is like a big topic right now. That's starting to become a thing in Canada, too, which is really worrying. Some of these more uh, local administration things and things that our political system is a bit different. But we do have like these positions of power within the party at the local level that they're not really the elected representatives, but it's just your local people that run the you know, the riding association. So it'd be like the district association or something like that. So they're affiliated with the party and they make decisions that influence the government party. But they're, these these positions are being flooded with people that are really, you look at their rhetoric, you look at what they're saying, and it is like, we need to enforce Christian rules in 
society and in the school and in this. And yeah, that's where it's like, I'm sorry. It's like, that's, that's a bridge too far. Like that's not, it's not fair to the people that aren't Christian. And it's, it's not even probably like the best thing for, yeah. <laughs> for people and in it's general. Like I look you know? over like what's <laughs> happening in like Iran and um, Pakistan and everything uh, with, you know, women fighting against, um, you know, wearing hijab and, you know, mm -hmm. other articles of clothing and just following the Muslim faith to the way that Sharia law wants you to, you know, you look at that yeah. and I can see America turning into that. And that's what I don't want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Interesting. I mean, interesting, scary, all of those words. Um, so I guess that's, you know, to kind of bring it back to the, 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 the need for a, because I, I think we both kind of went on a bit of a, <laughs> it's a topic that maybe gets us both a little heated. <laughs> um, but uh, that's that's where I could see, like I said, when 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 the you showed me the the secular alliance of Michigan, I was like, okay, yeah, that's interesting. I get it, the community angle. I was like, it's interest, you know, the duality of it's interesting that you're kind of doing the same thing that the religions are doing, just you know, a little, you know, without the religion thing. Um, but I do think that, yeah, I, I see a need, unfortunately, to have to push back on some stuff. And so, you know, yeah, it's like I said, I, in a, in a world, in a perfect, no, there is no perfect <laughs> world, but in a different world, you wouldn't need to do that. You know, that wouldn't be the focus of your group, exactly. I, would, I would imagine. This group know? may not yeah. even exist, you know, if, if that was, if it was a different world and, you know, that wasn't the case where, you know, Christianity was being pushed on us, you know, rather if people were passing laws and policies, you know, based off of rational thinking and, you know, critical thinking and reasoning and science, uh, then it would be different, but they're pushing these policies because Bible said so. And that's where I draw the line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not, not it's not necessarily a good argument, <laughs> especially when it comes to health. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think we could we could probably go on and on about this, and I think we both like you know have a, a, an agreement on on that you know separation of church and state. Yeah. So we don't need to belabor the yeah. point here. <laughs> it would just be us <laughs> right. agreeing with each other more. But. Um, this has been an interesting conversation. I think it's, you know, it's a good, good time to, to, to sort of wrap yeah. it up. Um, I think, I don't know that I would join an atheist group uh, <laughs> at this moment, <laughs> but I see the, I see the value of it, you know, like, and I guess it's just like, I just get community yeah. in other ways, you know, it's not for everybody and that kind of thing. You know, but my, my sister-in-law is no, atheist I, and she calls, she jokes and she calls us a cult just for you know because yeah. she thinks it's yeah, funny yeah. so she's well, like and, you know i'm like come on man let's come come join us come drink the kool-aid with us you know and she's like oh, nah, I, I don't yeah oh you guys going to your cult meeting tonight and you know it's you know she's atheist too it's so like yeah. it's funny but it's it's funny yeah yeah but the one thing that i would say is like i think it's you know the one thing that i don't have in my life that i think i should do is the volunteer mm -hmm. stuff right like giving back to the community and if you're just getting one more person who maybe they're not volunteering because they were kind of turned off by the religion thing or, you know, they had a bad experience with that or whatever, you're giving someone an opportunity to lend a helping hand to the community through an, a way that they feel comfortable with. I think that's really great. Yeah. And I do think it's cool 
wanting to have the conversations and put those out there. Again, I'm not completely sold on like what's the best way to sort of combat misinformation yeah. and, and debunking and all this stuff. But hey, you got a big Twitter fo- or a TikTok following and, you know, and to be fair, to I do other things that. on my TikTok too. I do like, um, um, I'm really big on pet nutrition. Like I said, I work in the pet industry. So, you know, I talk about animals and I got into playing Yu-Gi-Oh, the trading card game. So, you know, I've, I've been talking about Yu-Gi-Oh and, you know, um, I have some fun on there. It's not complete. And I'm a musician, too. I write and sing and uh, play my own music and stuff. So, you know, there's there's a multitude of things. It's primarily atheist content. But I mean, if someone were to follow me, someone listening were to follow me, I have plenty of other content that isn't atheist content. So something for everyone to mm-hmm. enjoy. <laughs> Cool. Well, like I said, I think you got an interesting story, the the deconversion from the conspiracy theorist thing. I think a lot of people probably wouldn't have the, even if they did come back from that sort of rabbit hole, I think a lot of people don't want to talk about it. You know, maybe they're a little embarrassed it by it and stuff like that. I embrace it Yeah. Now. So, yeah. So I think kudos to you for that as well. You know, maybe just like showing people out there that, you know, you can, you can change your mind and you can, you know, find a different way and sort of, you know, you don't have to be embarrassed about that. Cause I think that's one thing that, like I said, whether it's religion or just, you know, debunking stuff, you know, like I really, I've softened my view, uh, on, yeah. Viewing people on that other side, like whether it's flat earth or whatever as like dumb or, you know, all of that, all of those negative, you know, ignorant on it, you know, like all of that stuff we could, I, I just, it's a not true. I don't think anymore. Maybe I would have thought that before. I don't think that's true, uh, and I don't think it's helpful. Mm-hmm. So, I I I like that you're yeah. kind of representing. Yeah, like I, that I would as say well. like flat so, earthers, if anything, like people like that. I wouldn't say that they're dumb or stupid or you know anything like that. I would just say they're simply misinformed. That's all. Mm-hmm, is that they're misinformed? Mm-hmm. They 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 were caught listening to the wrong information or um yeah being convinced they're mistrustful i guess they have a trust issue as well with with um you know a certain source or a certain institute like something that they don't something that they view as mistrustful and then that you know poisons the well right so whether it's government or you know whatever it is but yeah. Interesting. Uh, so why don't you give us where, where can everyone find you? Where can they find the show? I know you said you're in the middle of a rebrand, but you know, where, where can we, the TikTok address, all yeah, of that for stuff. Sure. Um, yeah. Again, my podcast is unquestionable with Calvin Smith. Um, I just put out my final interview, um, for the show where I interviewed a, um, a Sikh that is located in, um, the UK, Manpreet Singh. And, um, I just interviewed him, talks about everything that's Sikhism and a little bit of Hinduism in there. And uh, that's my final interview that I'm going to be doing on there. And then my next episode that comes out in about a week or two, probably about end of July, um, it'll be my final like kind of goodbye episode. Um, Not to say I won't start up like another some sort of podcast or something in the near future. Just this chapter of my content creating is over. It's just opening a new chapter. So, I mean, you can follow me pretty much everywhere um, at Unquestionable Calvin. If you go on TikTok, that's my handle on TikTok, Unquestionable Calvin. Um, Instagram, Unquestionable Calvin, or you can go to Unquestionable Podcast on TikTok or Instagram. Um, unfortunately, I won't be using that Instagram. So I mean, you can go follow it anyways. Um, I'm on Twitter at UWCS Podcast. Uh, where else? Facebook. You can find me on Facebook, Unquestionable Podcast, or um, if you 
you can find the Secular Alliance of Michigan um, on Facebook as well. And you can join our group and you can talk to me where I'm the admin and uh, go to secularalliance.org to find out everything about Sam and what we do. Um, MichiganAtheists.org uh, is also a great website to learn more. And um, yeah, you type in Unquestionable with Calvin Smith, Unquestionable Podcast or Unquestionable Calvin pretty much anywhere and you'll see my beautiful bald head. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much. Uh, thanks again for reaching out. I, I enjoyed yeah, the thank chat. You. I appreciate you for having me on. Once again, many thanks to Calvin Smith. You just heard there all the places that you can find his work, find his stuff. Uh, that will also all be linked in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Please, please, please give us a rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 2BradForYou and interact with us there. It also boosts our, our profile there, uh, which we would really appreciate. Uh, send us an email at 2BradForYou at gmail.com or visit the website 2BradForYou.wordpress.com to get all of the links, all of the information about how to get in touch and how to follow the show. Thank you to The Freak Motif for the music and until next time, my friends. Stay safe. Talk to you later. Bye for now.